This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Bibles to turn to Psalm 119 this morning, if you would. Psalm 119 should be fairly easy to find because the book of Psalms is a lengthy passage of scripture in the Old Testament, but Psalm 119 happens to be the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, And so Psalm 119 should be fairly easy to find for you there. We're continuing our series entitled Affliction. If you've missed any of the messages so far in this series, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org. Uh, we have a smartphone app that you can download to your phone or your tablet and listen to our podcast that way, or you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app. Whatever you do, stay caught up on these messages. This is message number 11 in our series. And we've just been walking through the last 11 weeks uh, what it means to go through difficult times and how we can prepare for those, uh, how we can endure them, and how we can be strengthened through them. And so uh, we're continuing that theme here today. Uh, We've got two more weeks left in this series, and I wanna encourage you to be here for both of those weeks, um, especially uh, coming up on the 23rd. Uh, That's uh, two weeks from today. Uh, We're gonna be talking about suicide and depression. Uh, And uh, I've been in church my entire life, Again, three times a week since the time I was a kid, uh, almost, with a few years of uh, uh, not so great track record, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but um, I've never in my entire history in church ever heard uh, a, a pastor devote an entire Sunday morning to talking about depression and suicide. It's one of those things that we sometimes don't feel comfortable talking about or we feel maybe awkward discussing it in a public setting or we don't want to say the word depression because it has a negative stigma attached to it. No, we're going to blow all that out of the water and say that the Bible talks specifically about people that go through periods of depression. The Bible speaks of suicide uh, and how we can process through that together. I'm going to give you some tools and resources to put in your hands to help yourself and to help other people. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to be here two weeks from today. Uh, bring a friend with you that you think would be uh, benefited by this. It'll be online after we're done. Uh, you can point people to our podcast and they can listen to it there. I really believe it's going to be a helpful message. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, in research and study and talking with several folks in our church who have uh, a mental health background uh, who have been able to help me process through some of this and give, some, give you some tools that I think will be helpful to you. So that's uh, two weeks from today. I encourage you to be here for that. And that will wrap up our series on affliction uh, two weeks from today. And then I know this is going to blow your mind. We get ready for Christmas. This, this year's over. Uh, so um, we uh, the week of Thanksgiving, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up our series on affliction. Then the next week, we're going to get into a, a four-week series uh, where we talk about the, the Christmas story, what it means to us today. Uh, and we'll be taking a look at that. And we, for all those that have already started, we're going to start Christmas music after Thanksgiving, okay? Uh, somebody told me that. We've already started decorating. It's like, you miss Thanksgiving altogether. Uh, and so we have a moratorium on Christmas music in our house until after Thanksgiving. So uh, we'll kick that off here uh, then. And so I hope you'll plan on being here through the end of the year. I know we've got a lot of good stuff to plan to help you, uh, to grow as a Christian, to help you have the best 2020 you've ever had uh, because you never had a 2020 before, right? Uh, so that was a joke and you missed it. Anyways, I'll just get to the Bible. How about that? Psalm 119, we're going to start in verse number 105 this morning. Psalm uh, 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I'm afflicted very much. Quicken me. That word quicken me means make me alive, O Lord, according to thy word. 
Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are rejoicing of my heart. I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. Psalm 119, as I mentioned before, is the longest uh, passage of Scripture that we have in the entire Bible, the longest chapter in all the Bible, 170, uh, 178 verses, I think. Is that right? 176 verses uh, through here. And the recurring theme of this is how good God's Word is. Uh, the Bible is a supernatural book. It's like a book uh, like none other, written by uh, so many different men over thousands of years, yet it creates one cohesive, helpful book for you and I to be able to live this life that God's given us. It's our guidebook. It's our roadmap for life. Uh, sometimes people say things like, well, life doesn't come with an instruction book. Actually, it does, and it's called the Bible. Uh, it, it gives us everything that we need to get the most out of this life and to live with joy and so Psalm 119, the psalmist here speaks of how much he loves God's word. It's his delight. It's his treasure. He gets fired up about it so much that he writes an incredibly, incredibly lengthy passage of scripture about how good the Bible is. Now, it's interesting to note that the psalmist, as he writes this, probably only has the first five books of the Bible, which are sometimes referred to as the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so while he only has five books of the Bible, it is life to his soul. While he only has five books of the Bible, it guides his every thought that he has. And think about this. You and I have promises from God's word that have been given to us that David never had. You and I have access to more scripture. This is gonna blow your mind than the apostle Paul had. We have access to more of God's word than Paul would ever have. We have access. Now, while uh, Peter would walk and talk with Jesus, we have access to more of God's word than Peter had access to. And if these men can be so enamored by the portions of scripture they had, how much more should you and I be fulfilled by the 66 books that God's given us? If you've never had the opportunity to read through the whole Bible, you need to read it. So many Christians say, well, I believe the Bible's true and I want to live my life by it. And you ask them what it says and they don't really know. That's why I encourage you, become a student of the Bible. Become a Bible scholar. Read it through from cover to cover. Uh, you can go online. There's uh, so many different uh, Bible reading apps that you can get. There's one called YouVersion that can take you through the entire uh, Bible in, a, in a, a year or in six months or in three months. But the key is that you read the Bible and you spend time in it. There are times in, in life where sitting down and maybe reading the Bible for 20 to 30 minutes at a time might not be feasible, and I get that. There are times in difficulties and trials that you go through that it's everything you can do just to get out of bed and brush your teeth in the morning, much less spend an entire uh, half hour to an hour in God's Word. I get that. I've been there, done that. In times like that, I would challenge you, run to the book of Psalms. You will find so much help there. And it's interesting, as I read Psalm 119 several weeks ago, I've known since I was a kid that Psalm 119 is about how good uh, God's word is. And really the central theme of Psalm 119 in my mind was the Bible and how good it is. But as I read back through Psalm 119 with a fresh set of eyes this time, I read through and realized that Psalm 119 is a psalm of suffering, affliction. 
and interwoven in with how good God's word is are verses like, I'm sorely afflicted. Great are mine enemies. People have laid a trap for me. And you find a story of suffering amidst the goodness of God's word. And I want to challenge you in these times that you go through that are difficult times in life, in times of trials, in times of testing, in times of suffering, in times of affliction, run to the word of God. Run to it. Cleave to it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Make it part of your everyday life. Write down some thoughts as we go through this passage this morning. First of all, trials often bring chaos, confusion, and doubt. When trials come, it can feel like you're in the middle of a storm and you don't know which end is up. If you've ever been on a, the road and you're driving and the rain's coming down so hard and your windshield wipers are going as fast as they can go and you can't see three feet in front of you, sometimes trials feel like that. Sometimes trials feel like you don't, can't see the road ahead in front of you. <laughs> my wife often says as I'm driving, are your headlights on? I can't see anything. It's like, I turn my headlights on, I'm okay. She's like, I don't think your headlights on. And I'll have to flash them bright to show their headlights are on. She's like, I just can't see very far ahead. Uh, now part of it, she's getting a little bit older, uh, but I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's funny because when we uh, go to dinner as a family sometimes, uh, and like I go to the bathroom, people come back and they think that Thatcher and my wife are married. Thatcher's our oldest son, he's 25. Think that they're married. And I was like, oh, is this grandpa? Uh, no, this is dad. Our daughter Tallulah's two, and we were at the, had had dinner with some friends at Royal Hawaiian uh, Shopping Center. We get in the the elevator there. I'm holding my uh, my daughter Tallulah. She's two, and she's playing with my beard. And the guy in the elevator goes, "Oh, she sure likes Dad's beard or Grandpa's beard." Sorry about that. <laughs> no, Dad was right. You were good. You should stop while you're ahead. Um, stop while you're ahead. That doesn't have anything to do with today's message. I thought it'd be helpful to throw that out. But so many times in times of trials and difficulties, we look at this and we go, I don't, I don't see a way out of this. I don't see the road ahead. I don't see the path. I don't see where this is going. I don't think, think this is good. And again, when we face trials and difficulties and suffering, the first button that we're looking for is the eject button. How do I get out of this? How do we make this stop? How do I stop feeling what I'm feeling? How do I stop this situation from getting any worse? And how do I get back to happy times again? And that's what we're looking for, but God many times doesn't want to give you the eject button yet because he's doing something through your trial. He's working through your suffering. He's making you stronger. He's making you more dependent upon him. He's pushing you towards himself. He's pushing you to the end of yourself so that you have to rest in his power, his faithfulness, and his goodness. But in times of trials, so many times chaos and confusion come. This causes us to question things that should have already been settled for us. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Christians come to a point of trial and tribulation in their life and they begin to question things like their marriage. Well, I know I made a commitment for life, but it's just life's too long to, to live like this. I know I, I committed to, to being a part of this family, but I don't want to be a part of this family anymore. I know that, that I made a vow before God, but that, that was back then and this is now. We begin to question things that should never be questioned. We begin to question things like the goodness of God. Is God really good? If God is good, why do I hurt? If God is good, why did he take that person's life? If God is good, why is this happening to me? If God is good, why do I hurt so badly? And if God is good, why doesn't this feel good? We begin to question the goodness of God, which we should never do because we know that God's good. We know that he's faithful. Many times Christians, when they fall into sin, will begin to question their own salvation. 
If I have sinned against God so grievously, I must not be saved. I must not be a real Christian if, if I can, can sin like this. And we begin to question things that really are, should have been settled a long time ago. If you're a child of God here today, you are saved and there's nothing anybody can do to ever take that away from you, yourself included. If you're a child of God, God has promised in his word that he is good, he is faithful, and he is working everything according to his perfect plan and you can trust that. If you're married, you've committed to another person before God for the rest of your life, stick it out, it's worth it. And things that we shouldn't question become questions that we have during trials because trials bring confusion. It's hard to get your head straight again. When you're walking with Jesus, though, and you go through times of trials, trials will often bring great clarity when you're walking with God the way that you should. Hey, the things that I thought that mattered really don't matter anymore. Hey, look, when you think that your kid's gonna die, you don't care what kind of car you drive and what other people think about it. You just don't. When you think that your marriage is falling apart, you're not really concerned with what your coworkers at work think about you. When you're facing a circumstance that you don't see the end being favorable for you, all the other things that were so important before really aren't that important any longer. And it brings a lot of clarity during times like that. Psalm 119, we're here in this passage. Flip back to verse number 71, if you would. Here's what the psalmist says. Oh, this is so good. Psalm 119, verse 71. It's good for me that I've been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. You know what he said? Crazy thought. Hey, it's good for me to go through this tough time. You know why? Because I realize how good God is. I realize who God is. And I've learned more about God, the psalmist says, in this storm than I ever knew about God before. And what I've gotten through this trial, particularly verse 72, I've gotten your word. And you know what your word is better? It's better to me than all the money in the world. He says, I am rich because I have the word of God. Now, mind you, a king is writing this who has great wealth. And he says the word of God is, is worth more to him. Why? Because he endured affliction. And let me just tell you, when affliction comes your way, there's not enough money in the world to buy your way out of it. You can't. The richest person in the world cannot cheat death. The richest person in the world cannot buy their way out of calamity that God sends their way. You just can't do it. But you know what? God's word will see you through 100% of the time. It's faithful. You can trust it. Let's take a look back at our text, verse 105 this morning. The Bible tells us that the word of God, the Bible, guides our steps. Psalm 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I collect uh, a lot of really uh, weird things, I guess you could say. Uh, I, like, I like pens. I collect pens. Uh, I collect uh, knives, pocket knives. You guys have seen part of my, my knife collection that I have. Um, I collect flashlights. I love flashlights, but not just any flashlight. Not like the ones you pick up at the gas station, like 99 cents. I'm talking about like torches that you carry, right? Uh, I like a good mag light. Uh, you know, the ones with the D batteries, 4D battery mag light. You know what I'm talking about? Because not only is the light, it's also, help me, a weapon. Yeah. And you hit somebody with that mag light, they won't know what hit them, right? 
Man, I love that. Uh, I like anything with the name Tactical on it, right? Tactical automatically gets points in my book because it's my favorite color, black. Oh, man. Tactical's always black. I love that. And if it's a good one, it's got all the little clips. You can clip, clip it onto your tactical vest or your tactical backpack or your tactical pants that you have and stuff like that. Man, I love stuff like Tactical. I love it. And I love flashlights. It's a weird thing, I guess. I never grew up. I'm, I'm just a big kid. Um... But the thing about a flashlight is, and any light really, is they're directional. You don't get, you get the best floodlight in the world that you have. One of those big ones that you put in the car and you plug it in a cigarette lighter and you shine it like a spotlight out like that. It's directional. You only get light where you shine it. And you can only see for so far, even the best light. Because there's no light like natural light like the shine. The Bible says that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The thing about a lamp is it only projects light for as far as you can see a little ways ahead of you. You don't get to see the end of the path. You just see a few steps at a time. And God's word will not give you the destination because that's what we want. I want to know how this whole thing works out. I want to know what the end result of this is. I want to see how I'm going to get out of this. The Bible will never tell you that, but the Bible will tell you how to make it step by step. The Bible will give you what you need to make it today. The Bible will give you what you need to make it tomorrow. The Bible will give you what you need to make it the day after that, but the Bible's not gonna tell you how this is gonna work out 20 years from now. It just doesn't work that way. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Man, I'm so thankful for GPSs. I don't know how I lived without one uh, before. I remember our first GPS that we ever bought. Uh, it was back in, um, I wanna say it was probably the the late uh, late 90s, it was probably 99 or 2000 time frame. Uh, and it was this big, huge block of a GPS and you couldn't put an address in it. You had to punch in the coordinates. And so there was a geocoding website. You could put in an address and it would give you the coordinates and you could punch in the coordinates into this big block of a GPS and then you could go. And my wife looked at it and goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was pretty dumb uh, because it didn't have to take into account any roads or anything. You just know, oh, I'm... 17 miles away as the crow flies. Well, what good is that when you're driving? It's not, but it's awesome to know that like, this thing's tracking us in real time, uh, right? And then I remember we had gotten one that hooks up to the, the computer and it had a little a USB connection that you had. Actually, it was a serial connection back in the day, right? Nine-pin serial connection to a GPS uh, unit. It was like this. And so I got a laptop that I had created this nice little mount inside our van that we had at the time, and then I plugged in this GPS to it. And you punch in an address on it. Oh, it was awesome. And my wife's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And looking back, it was really dumb. Uh, but it was awesome at the time, right? But the thing about a GPS is it doesn't always give you the whole destination. It just says, turn right on Peekoy Street. Well, what's the next step? I don't know. You just got to follow this, the, the GPS. Now, uh, sometimes you can cheat and click the button that says routes, and it'll show you the whole route and stuff like that. And sometimes you look at that, and you go, oh, I don't want to go down Dillingham this time of day, or I don't want to go up Nimitz this time of day, and you can choose a different route. But the Bible doesn't work that way. The Bible just says turn right, turn left. You're like, well, well how far do I go in here? It doesn't matter. Just turn left. Just keep going. God's word will not give you every step along the way. It will not, uh, I'm sorry, it won't give you the destination, but it'll give you every step along the way. But many times we as Christians want the, the destination. Hey, how's all this going to work out? Where's this whole thing going? Hey, I'll decide. Here's what we say. Hey, God, show me the map and the route that I'm taking, and I'll decide whether or not I want to follow that. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. Follow the path. And God's word is a light unto our feet 
a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. It shows us the way to go and it shows us every step along the way. Now, you don't have a light, you're gonna trip, you're gonna fall, you're gonna stub your toe, you're gonna get off track, you're gonna get off the path that you've been given if you don't have a light to guide your path. And God's word is that for us. The Bible illuminates our path. Verse 105, that word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It guides our steps, it illuminates our path. Psalm 19.8 says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word brings light, like, oh. If you haven't, you need to. If you ever read the Bible and you read a verse and you're just like, oh, my soul. That makes sense. And just like, bing, light bulb goes off. Everything clicks and falls into place. You're like, oh, yeah. That's what the Bible says. God's word will enlighten your eyes. You're gonna see things differently when you spend time in the word. It changes your life, the word of God. And so that's why I wanna encourage you, spend time in the word every single day. And in times of trials, people who neglect the word of God, you're neglecting the very source of truth and hope that will bring you through this on the other side. And people through trials so many times say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. It's like saying, I'm sick, but I don't have time to take medication. No, no, this is the thing that's gonna get you better. This is gonna thing that's gonna see you through your trial. This is gonna be the source of strength that you need. Verse 106, I've sworn and I will perform it. I will keep thy righteous judgments. Hey, what you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it. See, when faced with God's path, we can choose to go our own way if we want to. We took a look at this uh, four weeks ago for our open house Sunday. Hey, choose whichever path you wanna go. God's given you a path of blessing and a path of, path of cursing. Totally up to you which way you wanna go. But the psalmist here says, I've chosen to go God's way and I've been blessed as a result of it. You see, God's blessings are always found with the obedience to his word. God's blessings are always found in obedience to his word. There are many times in my life that I've done things that I didn't fully understand because the Bible just said to do it and I did it. And you know what, I'm better because of it. The times in trials that I've gotten off track, I've gotten off path, because I wanted to go my own way, do my own thing. It never worked that well, and it never does. Flip back to verse number uh, one in Psalm 119 here. Blessed are the undefiled. Those are those that don't walk in sinfulness, but those who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and then that seek him with the whole heart. You wanna be blessed? Follow God's word. You want to be blessed? Seek him with your whole heart. You want to be blessed? Just do what he says. Turn over to verse uh, 67 in this passage. Again, <laughs> I had the misconception that, that Psalm 119 was just all about the Bible and how good God's word is, and it is. But this passage talks so much about affliction. Take a look at verse number 67 in Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. You know, he says, I went astray and God chastised me. He brought me back to him. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Notice the affliction is the thing that brought him back to a right relationship with God. And again, I'm telling you, God doesn't send trials in your life to hurt you. He sends them to help you. I know it doesn't feel like help. I know when you say, when you receive a trial as God's way to help you, you say, is there like a better way that I could get help? Because that's not the help that I want. Hey, God, if you're trying to help, you could send like real help, not a trial. 
It says here, before I went astray, then I was afflicted. But then I came back and I found out how good you really are. Again, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept thy word. And what does he find after he keeps God's word? Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Hey, God, you're good. You do good. I want more. Give me more of this. This is where life is at. This is where the good stuff is at. Give me more. I'm hungry. I'm telling you this. Be hungry for God's word. Megadose on the word of God. Get everything that you need from it. And again, if you're going through trials, the Psalms will be help to your soul. I promise you that. If if you're going through a trial right now, just start tomorrow in the book of Psalms. And if you're on your way out of a trial, you need to stay in the book of Psalms and just praise God for how good he is. And you need to to have a note. Maybe you need to write a note in the back of your Bible that when trials come, run to the book of Psalms. This is like break glass in case of emergency. This is where you're at. This is the book of Psalms. Because I guarantee you, it is impossible, impossible to read the book of Psalms and not see yourself staring in a mirror at yourself. It's impossible. You know, not all of us can imagine what it's like to win big and be a victorious and stand on the mountaintop all the time. That's why the psalmist says here many times throughout the psalms, hey, God, have you forgotten me? I cry out and it just seems like heaven's silent. My problems get worse and worse, but I, I can't find you. Where are you? And so many times we can identify with that. The great part about God's word, turn to verse number 107 in this passage. The Bible has the ability to restore our joy. Verse 107, I'm afflicted very much, very much. Quicken me. Again, that word, that phrase quicken. Make me alive, O Lord. How? According to thy word. He says, your word is, is fuel to my fire. Your word is health to my bones. Make me alive. There's so many times when trials come that you feel depleted. You feel like just staying in bed. You feel like just calling in sick for the next six months. Run to the word. It's health to your body. It's health to your spirit. It's your fuel that you need to keep going in the fight. And he says, make me alive through your word. I'm gonna give you six tools to help you grow through your trial. And you know what? These are not just like six things I got off the top of my head. No, they're all found in this passage of scripture. Again, the Bible has the answer to everything that ails you, everything. And that's why you and I need to read the Bible, glean knowledge from the Bible. That's why we at Who We Call It Believe is very important uh, to use expository preaching to expose the text, to pull out the truth from it. I can give you uh, five things off the top of my head that'll help you through a trial. Be positive, surround yourself with positive people, uh, get lots of sleep, uh, get some exercise. Those five things off the top of my head that'll help you through a trial. Those might work and they might not for you. But God's word always works for you, always. That's why we don't need more churches with psychobabble or uh, here's 10 tips for a better marriage. No, we need to know just what does the Bible say? 
And as we take a look at this, we see, first of all, in verse 107, I'm afflicted very much, quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Number one tool for growing through a trial, run to the word, run to it. Again, for whatever reason, when we go through trials and we go through affliction and we go through difficulty, uh, the word of God many times is the one thing that gets set to the side. It's we leave it in the, the back of our car in case we need it for Sunday. You can't live like that. This has to be like food for you. Job, when he went through his affliction, you know what he says? Thy word, O God, is meat to my bones and I need it more than my necessary food. More than I need to eat lunch today, I need God's word. More than I need to eat dinner tonight, I need God's word. And in times of trial, you have to run to the word of God. Again, Psalm 119, take a look at verse number nine, if you would, here in this passage. Psalm 119, verse nine. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word? Verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. God, you're everything to me. How do I cleanse? How do I fix what's broken in here by taking heed to your word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I'm not gonna sin against you. And he says, I've ran to your word. And in times of trials, run to the word of God. Take a look at verse number 114 in this passage. I hate vain thoughts. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts. Those are useless, worthless thoughts. But thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. That word hope is a beautiful word. It doesn't mean hope the way that you and I use it. Like, I hope there's not traffic on the way home. I hope the wait's not too long at lunch today. I hope I get to get off early on Monday because it's Veterans Day. It's not hope like that, like a wish. The hope that the Bible speaks of is a confident expectation in the Lord based on his character and his promises. A confident expectation in the Lord based on his character and his promises. That's what hope is. I know that everything's gonna work out because my hope is in the Lord. Not my wish, not I hope God works it all out. No, no, no. I know he's going to work it out and I trust in him with a confident expectation based on his character and the promises of his word. That's the hope that I have. And you know what he says here? In thy word is my hope. Oh man. If you're in a trial and you're not spending time in the word, you're neglecting the number one source of help that's waiting for you. God has given us his word for us to know him, for us to walk through this life and to be comforted during times of trials and affliction. Run to the Bible. Next, take a look at verse 108. <laughs> Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. All we need to run to the word, we need to worship and praise. Verse number 108, look at that. Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings. I'm giving you an offering, God, but he's not pulling out his wallet and putting money in the basket when it comes by. That's not the offering he's giving. He says, I'm giving a freewill offering of my mouth. 
I'm praising you. Now, this begs the question, why do we give it an offering when it comes by? It's an act of worship, saying, God, you're worthy. God, you've given me so much, I want to give back to you. God, you require from me that I love you and serve you in this way by my giving. And so when we give at the end of the service, we don't give out of obligation because we have to. We give out of joyful hearts because we love the Lord and he's been good to us. The Bible commands us to give, but God's commandments are not grievous. They're actually a delight. I enjoy doing what God tells me to do. And God tells me to give, so I want to give. And I give with a cheerful heart because I love him and I worship him. And here when he says, I give free will offerings of my mouth, I praise God, not because I have to, but because he's worthy of praise. So in times of trial, you need to worship and praise God. Now, many people don't understand what the word worship means. They, mean, they think it means go to church and sing. That could be an act of worship, but that's not necessarily worship. The word worship literally means to bow down on your face before to lay completely flat with your face to the ground in recognition of the worthiness of God. It means I recognize who God is and I realize who I am and it causes me to bow down before him and worship. I'm not even worthy to look at him. I'm not even worthy to look the direction of where God is because I recognize of his holiness, his awesomeness, his righteousness. But worship is not a body position, it's a heart position. Worship says to God, God, you are so high, I am so small. So because of that, I choose to live my life in such a way that shows your greatness and my insignificance. And worship is not a Sunday morning thing that we have to do with church. Worship is a lifestyle that we get to live. Tomorrow, you get to go to work and worship. And other people get to see Jesus Christ through you. That's an act of worship for you. You say, I'm off tomorrow. Awesome, good for you. You get to spend your day off and worship to God, showing how important he is. You wake up in the morning and you spend time in prayer, that's an act of worship to God because he's worthy of your time in the morning. You spend some time in the word before you step out the front door in the morning. You're saying, God, you're worthy of my time. You're driving to work or <clears throat> walking to work. You're on the bus and you're listening to praise music that draws your heart towards God. You're saying, God, you're worthy of the music that I listen to. When you say, hey, I'm not gonna hang out with those guys that are telling dirty jokes over there and laugh at the things that they're doing. Hey, I'm not gonna get involved in the office gossip that's going on. Hey, I'm not gonna run down people that are really just good people. They just hit a rough spot. That's an act of worship where you say, God, you're worthy and I want to live worthy. It's an act of worship. So worship is not a Sunday morning thing that we do. It's a lifestyle that we live because God is worthy. When we, our family prays at a restaurant before we eat, it's an act of worship. Sure, we should thank God for all that he's given us, but we're stopping there, and here's the thing. I don't care who sees me. Oh, the waitress is coming. I don't care if she's coming. She can wait. We're gonna pray and thank God for what he's done. It's an act of worship. We don't do it as a show. We don't do it as a put on. The Bible says that there's, it's a shameful thing if you do that. But we say God's worthy. We're gonna give him 30 seconds of our time and pray for our meal before we eat dinner because he's worthy. We talk to our kids about the Bible. We talk to our kids about what they're getting from God's word, what they learn in the message. Why? Because God is worthy. And so I want to encourage you to live a lifestyle of worship and praise. Every aspect of every day is giving God the glory that he's due. And then praising. I found in times in my life where I go through a, a funk, where I'm having a difficult time and I'm just grumpy all the time, I'm down, I'm bummed out about what's going on in life and stuff like that. I find one of the things that gets me out of that is praise. I'm just gonna thank God for the things he's given me. 
You might say, oh, I've got nothing to thank God for. You're alive. Start there. God, thank you that I saw another day today. What else? You came to church this morning. Praise God for that. There are places in the world where it's against the law to go to church, gather together with other believers. You don't live there. Thank God for it. You see the folks around this morning that stood up that have served our country. Thank God for those people that are fighting so that you and I can pray without having to worry about somebody busting our door down and taking us to jail for it. That's a good place to start. I want to thank God that he sent his son to die for a sinner like me when I was greatly unworthy. I want to thank God that he hears my prayers today even though he doesn't have any obligation to me. But because of his mercy and his grace, he chooses to allow me to have his time. And he chooses to act on my behalf because he called me his son. Wait, he called me his son? I was once a child of wrath. I was once a child of disobedience. I was once a child of the devil. And God has adopted me into his family. How did he do that? By his son. I want to praise God that I'm a son of God today. I'm a child of God because of his love and his grace and his mercy for me. Because I'm a son, I have the opportunity to pray. I have the ability to gather together with a family that I never had before. You people here today. I want to praise God for a church family that I have. And, and look, I was just having a really crummy day, but I realized it's not as bad as I thought it was. Now, again, it's not a matter of po- power positive thinking. It's not a matter of just change your thinking and you change your life. It's not a matter of that. But the Bible says, Philippians 4.8, the things that you think on are going to affect the way that you live your life. So think on the things that draw you, your heart towards the heart of God. Worship, praise. Verse 109. My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. Man, I remember your word and what you said, God. I want to encourage you to memorize and meditate on Scripture. We saw earlier, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Put Scripture in your heart, remember it. Remember the faithfulness of God. Find verses that deal with what you're struggling with and memorize them. And that'll bring you back to what the word of God says. You know, many times the thoughts that we think are in direct opposition to what the Bible says. Many times. And we just need to get our thoughts right. And let me help you with something today. Anytime your thoughts don't line up with the Bible. Your thoughts are wrong 100% of the time. Say that again. Anytime your thoughts or emotions don't line up with the Bible, your thoughts and emotions are wrong 100% of the time because God's word is always right. And many times I need God's word to cleanse my thoughts, to cleanse my heart, to get the junk thoughts that I'm thinking out so that I can live under the promises that God's given me. And how do I do that? Memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Again, if you're not drawing near to Scripture during your time of trial, you're not getting everything out of it God wanted you to get. So memorize and meditate on Scripture. Psalm 49, uh, verse number 3. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. One author said it this this way, if you want to enjoy an apple orchard, you don't fly across it in a 747 at 560 miles an hour at 36,000 feet and look out and say, oh, how nice, and just keep on going. No, you walk through it. You smell the smell. You spend some time touching the trees, and you pull up a piece of fruit, 
and you take a bite off of it and you savor it and you enjoy it. He said, that's the way that we should meditate on God's word, not fly by it at 36,000 feet, but to get down, touch the trees, grab some fruit, enjoy it, share it with others. That's what it means to meditate on the word of God. I want it to be continually in my thoughts and in my mind. <laughs> you ever gotten a song stuck in your head that you just can't get out? Oh, it's no, so frustrating. Um, when I was in... Um, station in Pensacola, there was a radio station that got bought out and there was like a, a three-day period where the changeover was. And so they put the Macarena on repeat <laughs> for three days straight. And it was, it was the funniest thing because you turn it over there and you're like, they're still playing it. And like four hours later, you turn over there, they're still playing it, you know? And then you're like, next day you turn on, they're still playing it. It's just like, oh my soul. And the Macarena was stuck in my head for like six months straight. I still can't go to a basketball game where they play the Macarena. It just brings up bad thoughts. God's word wants to get stuck in your head and your heart so it's all that you think about. I just keep coming back to, man, I can't get that verse out of my mind that I was reading this morning. Man, I can't get over thinking of how the psalmist said, I'm glad that I was afflicted because it brought me to your word. I can't stop thinking about that because I haven't always been glad when I go through times of affliction. That's what it means to meditate and memorize scripture. There's a book that we have. I want to say it's out front. We might have some copies here called Praying the Bible. It's a really short book. Uh, It's a neat book that talks about how we look at scripture and we can pray these things back to God. Now, we as Bible-believing Christians do not believe in written prayers. The Bible says that there's no power in vain repetition. So we don't have prayer books where we read what someone else has prayed and then we pray that to God. But we can read through the Psalms and find truth there that we can then pray back to God. For example, let's just say uh, verse, um, let's just go back to verse 105. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. God, I pray that you would illuminate your word and your path for me this week. I pray that the steps that I take this week, God, would be ordered by the light that comes from your word. God, would you help me to remember your word? Would you make the path that I have this week very clear for me? As I step, would you step with me as I walk down this path? That's how we can pray through passages of scripture. Verse 106, I've sworn and I will perform it. That will I keep thy righteous judgment. God, would you help me to keep your commandments this week? God, would you help me to walk in your righteous judgment this week? As I walk my path, would you help me to be faithful to you? That's the way that we can pray the Psalms. And again, this is just another opportunity to meditate on Scripture. So run to the Word, worship and praise. Memorize and meditate on Scripture. Remain obedient despite your circumstances. Verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me. The the evil people around me have laid a trap for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Hey, people are trying to trip me up. People around me that hate my guts, but I have kept your word. I've done what you said. And you need to make a commitment to remain obedient to God despite your circumstances. Well, it's, it's easy to follow God when everything's going your way. Sure it is. But the real fruit comes when you follow God when things aren't going your way. Because otherwise, we just are in it for the good times that God offers. Job says, shall we receive good from the hand of God but not evil? God hands it all out. We just have to receive it. And make a commitment now to remain obedient during their trials. I can't tell you how many people I've seen bail on God because hard times came. Let me just tell you this. If you bail on God in the midst of hard times, your hard times will get harder. Guaranteed. 
But he says here, I stuck with it. People were laying traps all around me. My enemies surrounded me, but I, I stayed faithful to what God had said. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips far from me. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor the left. Remove thy foot from evil. He says, hey, I'm just looking at the path I got ahead. and I'm not going to the right. I'm not going to the left. I'm keeping my head straight on. I'm not even going to look to the left or the right. I'm just going to keep on the path that God's giving me because that's where the good stuff is at. Just stay obedient regardless of your circumstances. Well, what if things don't work out? Stay faithful. What if things don't work in my favor? Stay faithful. What if, what, you know, what if all day? Stay faithful. One of the most foolish statements that you can say I know what the Bible says, but anything that you say after that is a foolish statement. I know what the Bible says, but my situation is different. No, it's not. The Bible's true, always, 100% of the time. I know what the Bible says, but um, that was written a long time ago. No, it was written for today. I know what the Bible says, but just stop there. I've even said to people, hey, I'm going to stop you right there before you say anything else. Because the Bible is always true. Just follow it. Just be obedient. It's good. Next. Make Jesus your treasure. Verse 111. Thy testimonies, your stories of your goodness and your faithfulness have I taken as a heritage forever for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Hey, I've built my life upon your goodness and your faithfulness and my heart rejoices in your stories of your goodness and your faithfulness. Make Jesus the treasure of your heart. Hey, look, if you're looking for treasure in this world, you will be greatly disappointed. If you think that a new car or a change of address or a better job or a next promotion or wherever you wanna be is gonna bring that fulfillment and treasure that your heart desires, you're gonna get it and you're gonna be sorely disappointed. But when you make Jesus the treasure of your heart, you will never be disappointed, guaranteed. I just want Jesus, nothing else. And he says, oh, your stories, I'm building my life on that. Your faithfulness, I'm building my life on that. Psalm 1611, I think it's in your notes, is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. That will show me the path of life. God promises to not leave us out wandering in the wilderness. In thy presence is fullness of joy. If I want the good stuff in life, it comes from being close to Jesus. At thy right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Well, the good stuff in life, it's found by being close to Jesus. I love that verse too because it says, at thy right hand. The right hand in the Bible is always God's hand of blessing. It's always God's hand of favor. It's always God's hand of power. And he says, as long as I'm close to you and I stay close to your right hand of power, I'm not living in my own power, I'm living in your power. That's where I'm gonna find the good stuff. That's where I'm gonna find fullness of joy. That's where I'm gonna find the good stuff of life. Make Jesus your treasure. I'm telling you this, a life fully committed to Christ is the best life you could ever possibly live. Next, commit to being faithful to the end. 
Verse 112, I love this. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. If you've never made a commitment, I would challenge you today, make a commitment to be faithful to the end. I'm gonna stick this whole walking with Jesus thing out until the day that I die. Not until it doesn't work for me anymore. Not until I'm not getting what I want from it anymore. Not I'm gonna be good to God as long as God's good to me. No, I'm gonna do it to the end, regardless of what happens. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in my foolish, immature, young Christian life, I tried to make deals with God. Hey, God, if you do this, I promise I'll be faithful. Hey, God, if you come through in this situation, I promise I'll never miss a day at church for the rest of my life. Hey, God, if you do this, then I'm gonna keep up my end of the bargain. Let me just tell you this. God doesn't make deals like that with anybody. And to think the arrogance that I have something to offer God that is of value to him that he'd be willing to trade with me. Who do I think I am? That the psalmist said, I'll be faithful to the end. You know what Job said? Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's the opposite of trying to make a deal with God. That's the opposite of trying to get what I can from God. No, I'm not trying to say, well, God, if you'll be faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. No, I'm saying, God, if you take my life, I still trust you. God, if you take my kids, I still trust you. God, if you take my wife, I still trust you. God, if I lose everything that this life has to offer, I still trust you because you're good and because you are my treasure. That's the good stuff. And that will see you through a trial, friend. That will bring you through the difficult times. That's gonna give you what you need to keep pushing forward day by day by day. Hey, my circumstances might be crummy, but I know that God's good. Hey, I don't know how all this is gonna work out, but I know this, I'm gonna be faithful till the end. I don't know what's coming down the road, but I know this, God's gonna be faithful and I am too. I'm just gonna run to the word. I'm gonna find my strength there every single day. And I'm gonna trust God through this process. I have a, a book that I'm gonna give you today if you want a copy of it. Now, don't be a book collector, okay? Book collectors are people who are like, ooh, books, I think I'll buy one. Uh, for me, I'm a journal collector. I like to co collect journals and I have these ideas. Like, I'm gonna start writing journals. I'm gonna write out the Psalms by hand and stuff like that. I never do. I got a stack of journals in my office. Unopened blank pages. If you ever need a, a spare journal, I've got plenty. Uh, last Christmas, I must confess, I needed a gift for someone and I couldn't find anything uh, and I didn't have a lot of time. And so I grabbed a journal out of my office and I stuck it in an envelope with a card and I wrapped it. And I felt terrible about it. But, um, I confess my sin to you this morning. I say that to say this, don't be a book collector. If you want this and you will use it, I am, listen to me, I'm gonna give you this today, yours. You know why? Because the Bible's your hope in time of trials. This is called the Bible promise book, 1,000 promises from God's word. And you know what it's full of? Just scripture. You're struggling with humility. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is great in the kingdom of God. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You're struggling with guidance. You need guidance. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. 
A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Hey, you've got a thousand promises, and it's just all Bible. There's no affirm yourself in the mirror today and tell you that you're good enough and you're smart enough and doggone it, people like you. No, just verses from the Bible. And I'm gonna give you this today. We got 50 copies of it. If we run out, I got 50 more on the way. I just ordered them this morning. If this would help you, I want you to take it today. No cost to you. But here's the deal. You gotta read it and you gotta use it. You gotta run to the word of God. This is your number one tool in your toolbox. The word of God. And you gotta run to it. Friend, you might be here today and you don't know for sure that God is faithful to you. I'll promise you this, he is. But he's only faithful to his children. If you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home when you die, you're not sure that you're a child of God, know this. Your suffering that you have on this life is bad, but it's gonna get worse when you die without Jesus. The Bible says there's two places we go when we die. There's heaven and there's hell. That hell is prepared for every single person that dies without Christ. If you're here today and you do not know for sure when you die, heaven is your home, know this. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And Jesus died so that you can be forgiven of your sin and spend eternity with God in heaven. But you must put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have to be willing today to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus as your savior. If you're willing today to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I'm willing to lay down my sin and turn to Jesus. The Bible says you can be saved today and your suffering now takes on a new meaning because you're a child of God. And when you die on this earth, all your suffering is completed forever. And the Bible says that God will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more crying for the rest of eternity because you'll be together with your Father God in heaven. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, do not leave here without knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven. For those of us that are adopted children of God, we've got a reason to worship and praise this week. We've got a reason to rejoice in the midst of trials. We've got the op- a Father who loves us that we can draw near to. In the midst of our trial, we have all of the promises of the Word of God at our disposal. Use them this week. Run to the Word of God in the midst of the trial and you will find all the help that your heart desires. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.